All right, you're now tuned in to the follow through with Clips and Drew, the True Players Podcast, episode 224. It's the trade deadline, and there were a lot of trades today. We're going to break down every single one of them. What is going on with the Lakers front office? They didn't make one move at the trade deadline. And do the Philadelphia 76ers now have the best starting lineup in the East? It's the follow through with Clips and Drew. Drew, kick that intro music. What up, podcast world? What's up, everybody? You know what it is. You know where you're at. It is the follow-through with Clips and Drew, the True Players Podcast, episode 224. It's a big one today, Drew. Uh, my whole day was messed up, okay? <laughs> you know how I like to do my uh, my walks in the morning, my beach walks. You know, it yes. centers me. It gives me my – it starts my vibe out for the day. Mm-hmm. I made it about a quarter of the way. And, you know, we've been asking for trades. We've been begging <laughs> for trades, asking you shall receive. I got Woj bombed. And bombed and bombed about five times over, about four minutes into my walk. And mm-hmm. then I just decided, you know what? Fuck it. I got to go home. A lot's going on. Um, so on this episode, we're going to break down every, everything happened today. Today is Thursday. Today was the 12th hour. Uh, teams had to make their decisions and make their trades. A lot of good ones, a lot of bad ones in our decision. We're going to try to grade these trades, but we're going to break down the most important ones that happened um, today. And obviously, Drew, from the jump, we've been waiting for this Harden-Simmons deal to go down. It went down, finally, which should have happened last year, Houston to, to Philly for, you right. know, the whole Maury thing. Um, <laughs> but I actually like this, man. Okay, so Philly gets Harden, and and uh, who else did they get, Drew? Harden, and uh, that's it, right? Harden and a pick or something? Millsap. Millsap, excuse me, yeah. Harden and Millsap, and then BK gets Simmons, Seth Curry, and Andre Drummond, right? Mm-hmm. I like this. Two first-round picks as well. Two first-round picks, too. Um, I really like this a lot. Like, Philly's going to wake up tomorrow morning with the with the best starting five in the NBA. Tomorrow morning. They're going to wake up with that. It's a real thing. Uh, I, Brooklyn gets Ben Simmons. Uh, they, they uh, you know, for Ben, I think this works because, hey, you got shooters on your team. We got KD. We got Patty Mills. We got Kyrie when he's playing. I don't got to worry about it. Either with Philly takes a lot of pressure off of MB to have to be the guy at day in and day out, be the guy to score the buckets for them because Harden's in the mix now. Uh, I mean, Doc Rivers literally traded away his son-in-law. His grandkids are now moving away from him, right? So this was kind of, and he called practice off today. I don't know if you saw that, Drew, but mm-hmm. he called he called practice off today for um, it was like a mental health day because people get so stressed out over trade deadlines. He's like, yo, it's the human thing to do. But then I saw Richard Jefferson say today on TV that he was doing that to say goodbye to his grandkids. <laughs> and I'm like, man, that's low, dude. That's low. Oh, so anyway, really funny. What do you think about these, uh, this trade that just went down? Oh man. Oh, I, first and foremost, I'm happy that the Simmons saga is now done. Finally. I mean, we, we assume it's done because we assume that he's going to actually be playing for the Brooklyn Nets relatively soon right i think that's the biggest question for me of this trade is when can we expect simmons to actually get on the floor and everything i've heard is that like simmons was on board with this which is why the nets felt comfortable doing it and he talked to sean marks the gm of the nets and said that you know he's ready to, to immediately start work and, and to me i think the funny part about that just that specific thing is like 
how is he not ready to play? <laughs> how is it possible that he has not played basketball this entire season and isn't ready? Like within a week, I'm sure you want to get some conditioning in. You want to get some plays in the in the playbook. You want to have a couple practices, but like he should not be ramping up for very long. So that's the first and foremost. He needs to be on the court soon. And the Nets need him on the court soon because KD is nowhere close to coming back. Kyrie still can't play at home. <laughs> so as of right now, he might be the best player that the Nets have on the team. And there should be that. nobody readier than Ben Simmons to play right. basketball. <laughs> exactly. How can you not be ready, bro? So <laughs> I just think that part, when I say, I think that when I hope that the Ben, ben Simmons saga is over, I hope for that aspect, that it's not something else that where he's going to be out for another three, four, five weeks, like ramping up and, and working on whatever. Like you're in the seventh spot right now, eighth spot right now, BK. We and need the- nine in a row. They lost nine games in a row. It's like, okay, so this is nice. This is a nice thing, right? For, for I think for both, right? It seems for whatever reason, James Harden was not as happy as we all thought he was or assumed that he would be in Brooklyn. And that to me is puzzling. I don't understand I really don't understand why he would like seemingly choose the Brooklyn Nets he, within that trade and then and then really not like it. He essentially bullied his way out of two organizations in two seasons, Drew. That's basically right. what it is. I don't I think I'm but okay with it. Why, a little why bit. would he want to leave Brooklyn? I just don't get I don't understand that. Well, everybody says it's because of the Kyrie drama. Like he didn't sign up for all of this. And I kind of understand that, right? That makes sense. I guess. That it makes sense. Sorry, continue. I didn't mean to interrupt. No, it, but that that's the weirdest part about this is like the Simmons piece. We all understand the Harden piece. I I'm struggling to comprehend. He, he got to play with Kevin Durant. Yes. Things didn't go very well. He was injured with the hamstring and Kyrie's doing his thing. And Kevin Durant is, has been injured and now is, you know, injured again for, and probably for a little bit longer than maybe initially expected. So, I mean, I, I get it, right. It hasn't gone very well. But I just don't know what would want to motivate him to leave, other than the fact that he doesn't he doesn't like playing with Kevin Durant. And I to me, that's hard. How how could you not enjoy Kevin Durant barely he lets James Harden bring the ball up. He lets him orchestrate the offense. KD sometimes shoots less than James Harden. I just I don't know. I don't think that's the case at all. I don't think it's KD. He wanted to play with KD. Right. Why so, wouldn't you want to stay and then tell the front office you want to stay, you'll resign, but get rid of Kyrie? <laughs> right. Let's flip Kyrie for Ben Simmons. Let's let's do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'll stay here. <laughs> and but but no, it, it's the other way around. He wants out for whatever reason. And I think maybe eventually those reasons will come out, whether that's in in a week or in fucking 10 years when James Harden's memoir comes out. But moving forward besides the confusion from me as to why he would want to leave, I think he must have also in the same way that he was excited about joining the nets. I think he must be as excited about joining the Sixers, right? Uh, Cause he it seems like he kind of picked the Sixers to be the team that he wants to go to. And the relationships with him run very deep and uh, with him and Daryl Morey. So that's not a surprise. He wants to go play with Morey. Morey's his guy. He Maury thinks that, and I'm sure James Harden thinks as well, that this might be a really legitimate chance this year, next year, for them to win a championship. And I think that's, I think that's a real possibility. I do think, like, like what you just said, the Sixers arguably have the best starting five as of right now based on this trade. The biggest question moving forward to me is two things. 
the Simmons part, when will he play and when will Durant play and what, what will that look like? But then the second thing is like, we all assume that this is a good move for Philly because it's James Harden and Embiid, but how are those two guys going to play together? Is Embiid going to seed a lot of touches and a lot of shots? Is he just going to let James Harden kind of do his thing? Is James Harden going to come in and be the Brooklyn James Harden where he's facilitating and trying to get everybody else going? Or is he going to be the Houston James Harden where he wants to get, you know, 25, 30 points a night? Like that to me is going to be very interesting. And I don't know that it's going to be an automatic hit unless one of those guys or everyone is on the same page already to, to begin with and going like, all right, James, it's going to be your show, which I don't think it should be because Embiid is the best player on this team. It should be Embiid is the focal point hard and you're playing, you know, off of him. And, it, and when it comes down to it, we want the ball in Embiid's hands as much as possible. Look, man, like you just said, everything, on, everything always looks good on paper. The Lakers look great on paper. The Brooklyn Nets, all people were talking about, were, are they going to go 72 and, and 10 this year? And then right. you know what happens, dude? They played 16 games together the whole time. They played 16 games. Everything isn't always gravy on paper. Yeah, when you look at Philly and you're like, okay, okay Maxi, Thibel, Toby, Embiid, and, and Harden, like Jesus, that's amazing. And everything you're talking about, about like, okay, is this, is this James's team or Embiid's team? It's definitely Embiid's team. But then we got this thriving young kid in Maxi who's just been bawling out of his brains. You have this – and first of all, let's, let's talk about this too. Big ups to Philly to not having to get rid of Maxi or Thibel in any of this, right? Yeah, that was Daryl orchestrating very, very well because I know Brooklyn wanted Thibel. Of course. And of it course. would make no sense for them to let both Simmons and Thibel go. So I thought that was really smart. Of course. And you're right, Drew. Like, we're just going to have to see how this works. I'm, I'm happy for Embiid to finally get this superstar. But then look, dude, then there's another side to this, man. This is a sh another huge legacy play. Like, look, James Harden, you've played with Russell Westbrook. You've played with Kevin Durant twice, Kyrie Irving. Now we're going to give you Chris Paul. Chris Paul. We're going to give you the best big man in the NBA right now who's literally looking like a, a seven foot, 300 pound Kobe at times with what this guy's <laughs> been doing. So this is a legacy play. That's also, this is going to be a James Harden check. And this is going to be a doc rivers check. Like, yo bro, come playoff time. If, if we don't produce and we don't win this, like literally you have two years for this one or else James Harden's going to get fed up with another, something else. And then want to go somewhere else because it's obvious that we're ring chasing right now. We're, 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 we're trying to get this ring, right? Mm -hmm. And it seems like it's very difficult to make James Harden happy. Like, what else, what more do you want, bro? Right. So that's the, that's the big question is like, how is he, how is he not happy in the situation he was in? And, and I think all of us can understand like the frustration behind his injuries and Kyrie's thing and Kevin Durant being out and then the media like attacking him for being fat. But I don't, that's not a Brooklyn problem. That's right. a James Harden, wherever he is problem. Cause mm -hmm. the same thing happened in Houston when he showed up fat. Uh, so anyway, I just, the biggest thing for me about the Embiid and Harden piece is Embiid has never played with a guy like James. Right. And that's why it's really exciting because James Harden is a great uh, attacker at the rim. He's great in pick and roll, obviously the lob thing. Like I think he'll create James Harden will create easier buckets for Embiid. I, and I agree that also with Embiid getting double teamed, James Harden should get some open looks as well. So that part is nice, but because Embiid has never played with like a ball dominant guard like this, the closest thing is really like Jimmy Butler and he's not ball dominant at all when in, in comparison to James Harden. So I think that piece is going to be a real adjustment for Embiid. 
Um, and while the Sixers were able to keep Thibel and Maxi, they now have lost their best three-point shooter in, in Seth Curry. So that means James Harden is going to have to hit contested or uncontested three-point shots at a high clip. And Maxi's going to have to shoot very well. George Niang is going to have to keep shooting very well for them. But when I look around the Sixers roster, you know, I thought for sure they were going to try and include Patty Mills coming back to them. And I, and I bet they tried and it probably didn't work because they got Paul Millsap instead. But I look around and I don't, I mean, Tobias Harris, good shooter, right? Uh, Niang, good shooter. Maxi's fine. Harden should be fine. But like, I just, I, I think they could use a little bit more depth from three point shooting. And, and now, you know, maybe that happens in the buyout market and maybe, or maybe I'm forgetting somebody. Maybe I am. Maybe Cork I'm, Moss. maybe, I'm, huh? Cork Moss. Cork Moss. There you go. Okay. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but again, like, what does that look like? Is Cork mm-hmm. going to be your four? Is he going to be out there starting over Tobias and over Maxi? And, you know, I just, I, that part to me is going to be interesting because Seth was so good. Um, in that role for the Sixers. So it will be an adjustment period. Um, And then the other side, flipping over, going to Brooklyn, when Kevin Durant and Ben Simmons and Kyrie Irving are all on the court together, it's still the same problem, right? Like they they all have to end up on the court together in order for this to work out. Uh, But when that eventually happens, I think that's when we'll be able to like actually analyze whether or not this team is better or worse than it was when James Harden was on it. Right. While, while it makes sense from like a monetary standpoint, like if James Harden was just going to leave in the off season, okay, fine, trade him. Let's get something else in there. But to me, they're worse than they were when they had James Harden. Right. And I think that's pretty clear, but their pathway forward could be pretty tremendous. And I think there is a, a chance that, you know, still really dependent upon Kyrie, but which is why Seth Curry was so important because if Kyrie's not in the lineup and if Joe Harris is not going to be able to come back anytime soon, they solve the problem with Seth and then keeping Patty Mills. So I think the more exciting um, offensive team could end up being Brooklyn. Cause when you think about it, it's like they just, and they got drum index. So they got their big man, which was really important. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they actually have all this like run and gun and shooting and transition in the Brooklyn Nets team where I think the Philly team actually, while it's going to be exciting, might slow it down a lot more. Doc will figure it out before yeah. Steve Nash figures it out. I'll tell you that much. Like well, this is going to come in. Those players are readily available for mm-hmm. Doc Rivers. They're not readily available for Steve. So it okay. will take a lot longer for the, the Nets to figure it out. Right. But I, also what I'm saying is it's going to take, uh, you know, Steve Nash to figure out a strategy once this, this does all work out and Kyrie and Ben and KD are all playing together. Cause like Ben's used to having the rock. And then they tried that, that power forward thing last year that didn't kind of work out too well, but it's going to be interesting. And like you said, like, I'll be shocked if we don't see Ben Simmons play in the next week and a half, right? Like he better need, get on the court soon. I, I agree. And not, not some shit like, Oh, he'll be back at the, it'll it'll probably be after the all-star break, which I think is too late. Like, I think he needs to get his reps now, get in. Yeah, they might, they might lose 15 games in a row by that time. (laughs) Right. Right. So, all right. So we're looking forward to seeing how that works out and we'll keep everybody updated with what we hear. Uh, A a couple more big ones that went down uh, a little earlier, right? So the one guy that we thought that was always off the market, he's untouchable is Tyrese Halliburton, right? And we all we knew that Sabonis was going to be going somewhere. We couldn't really figure it out. So Sabonis and and uh, Sabonis and who else? J- Jeremy Lamb and 
Who else went? Justin Holiday. Justin Holiday to Sacramento for Halliburton and Buddy Heald. Buddy, congratulations, Tristan Buddy. And Tristan's expiring contract. Congratulations, Buddy, for getting your ass out of Sacramento. We all know how long you've wanted to get out of there, bro. So he's hightailing it out to Indiana. Look, man, I think this is a fumble on Sacramento's end. I really do. I like Sabonis. I really do. But it's obvious that they chose De'Aaron Fox over 21-year-old Halliburton, who's still on the rookie contract, who's got so much upside, who is just a really good kid and going to be very, very good in this NBA. And they did get a really valuable player in return. It's obvious. I mean, Sabonis is great. Um, look, I just think it's a fumble. Giving up giving up Halliburton was a, was a big deal. Uh, I just think they could have done something been better been better at this mm -hmm. i think indiana came up on the in this one actually yeah i you know there the, this one got a lot of heat and i think the kings continue to get a lot of heat um and shout out to uh, alex kennedy our guy at basketball news uh who wrote an article about this and was similarly surprised by like the backlash like i was i understand that halliburton is a good young player um, who is improving constantly and looks like he's going to be in the league for a long time. I understand that very much. But if you're the Sacramento Kings, if I'm a Sacramento Kings fan uh, and I have an opportunity to let go of a guy who might one day be as good as, as De'Aaron Fox, and I don't think he's as good as De'Aaron Fox right now. Like people will say that he might be better than De'Aaron Fox and maybe time will prove that but I'm still unsure. And I, what I do know is that De'Aaron Fox is significantly more athletic than Tyrese Halliburton. And that that's a big factor in the NBA. You got to be pretty athletic uh, and is, has proven to be able to at least score. He has, he not, ha, he hasn't improved as much as I think all of us wanted to see him improve over these years. But if you look at the circumstances that he's been surrounded with and all these different head coaches and revolving door of players that he's had to play with in his very short career, Potentially, he will improve now if things settle down. They, they make a trade for Sabonis. They bring in a couple other guys. Uh, and Gentry might actually be able to pull something together here with this group. And to me, I don't think it's like a big loss that you lost Halliburton, a guy who is very promising, like I said. But you bring in a two-time fucking all-star. who And we, we were talking a, a couple podcasts ago about – the last time that the Kings had an all-star mm -hmm. and I can't remember one, we were trying to fumble over who the hell that would have even been in the last, whatever, 13 seasons. And they have a bona fide big man who I honestly think will change things for Sacramento given, and this is the big problem, given the opportunity to do so and given the correct amount of coaching and support from the front office. So while I understand why Kings fans are upset, I think they got to look at what just happened and, and then really think about how good Sabonis and De'Aaron Fox can play together. I think they can play very well together. Don't you? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And so their whole goal for this season is to make the play in spot. And I think that they made the moves that they think are the most viable for them to do that this year and break their streak of missed postseasons that they've had, which is over, I think it's like 21 years or whatever it is now that it's like the last time that they were in the postseason. So I know that that was a goal for the team at the beginning of the season. And I'm not surprised that they made a move that was aggressive to try and do that. Now the Kings fans would go, you know, what is a nine or 10 seed in a play in game give us instead of being able to build with Halliburton. And what I think about that is it doesn't matter. Like 
Halliburton could blow out his back <laughs> in the next six months or in the next six years. And De'Aaron Fox could go on to be a multi-time all-star. It could go the other way around too. But I just think like when you're looking at what the moves were available to Sacramento and what teams were willing to accept for the packages that they had, I don't see a better scenario than getting DeMontis Sabonis. I think I, I agree with you at that. Getting Sabonis is big. What, what I think, first of all, fans get attached to certain players. Sacramento loves Halliburton. So they're, and upset. they should, he's a great kid. Should. Right. And I, I honestly think that, that they were trying to dish Fox. Fox has been in rumors for a long time. The contract he has is ridiculous. It's hard. It's hard to move that people don't want to take on that weight. Um, why I, I'm sure every team that inquired was inquiring more about Hallam Burton than they were uh, De'Aaron Fox based because on, of the contract, uh, because of the contract and the fact that he's 21 and that he's really, really, he's very good. Um, he will be an all-star at some point, I think, but you know, they did make the move that they, that they wanted. If they want him, if you can get a two-time all-star, you get him. I just always thought, and I think the general media thought that Halliburton was going to be the guy that just wasn't going to get touched. The other thing is, is Rashawn Holmes has been playing really well this year. And now it looks a little kind of like, it reminds me a lot of that Embiid, like Horford thing. It's going to be a little clogged in that post. So they're going to have to figure it out too. I do believe in Gentry. I think he's a very, very good coach. And, you know, they, they might get a good draft position this year as well. And they can, and they can draft. And they also have Davion Mitchell, another guard that right. they just drafted. So I don't know, man, I just felt, uh, I think, I think Halliburton's going to get a good, good burn in Indiana. I think he's going to fit in fine out there. Yeah. And I, I, the frustration I think from Kings fans is mounting over like these weird decisions and you brought it up, right? Like, okay, I can be excited and happy that they brought in a guy at like the caliber of Sabonis, a caliber guy that they haven't had in that system for a long time, but it is a redundancy. And I think potentially that may be the most frustrating and like hair pulling aspect of what the Kings front office has done. They draft constantly this, these guards in the same position and, or they draft constantly these forwards or centers in the same position and then you re-sign Rashawn Holmes to this relatively large deal and then you bring in Sabonis so I understand that and like clearly there's a there's a problem there I just mean from a player's perspective this is a good move for the Kings and and maybe you know <laughs> maybe I'm wrong here but I just I I think Sabonis is looking for a place to like want him and like enjoy him. And he hasn't had that like everywhere he's gone for whatever reason, people fucking clown on this guy or they don't like him or he's, or he's out the door in the next time. So like, if this doesn't work out with Sacramento, maybe the problem is more on Sabonis than it is all these other teams. But I sure. also just think like, this could be a really great new beginning for him in a team that desperately wants a talisman and desperately wants to win. Um, and, and the last thing is De'Aaron Fox, Halliburton's 21 years old. De'Aaron Fox just turned 24. Mm -hmm. So it's while, while yes, he's a younger player, like Halliburton's younger. It's like De'Aaron Fox has played five years in the league. He's 24 years old. This is, this is not a bad thing. This is not a bad thing. I get it. And if I was a Sacramento fan too, like watching him play in that first game, Sabonis I'm talking about looked mm -hmm. extremely happy to be there. And Big smiles. Not, not, not too many people are extreme. This is no diss to our Sacramento <laughs> listeners. But there's not too many people there that are like, yo, I want to go to the Sacramento Kings and play. And he looks like he does. So, yeah. uh, you know, hopefully it's new beginnings for both of them. And, yeah. and they both thrive in their situations. And then I, yeah, for the, on the Indiana side, 
Miles Turner's injury, I think, impacted what the decision from Indiana was. I think potentially they might have traded both Sabonis and Turner, but because Turner has a foot problem, it, I don't think anyone was really calling with too much intent. He should be back before the end of the year, and maybe now that Sabonis is gone, he'll actually get the role that he wants. And so from a Pacers perspective, this could be really great. And then you add Halliburton to a backcourt with uh, Malcolm Brogdon, and I think you have like really nice two kind of – nice combo guards that are mm-hmm. playmakers and shot creators. And that could be a lot of fun. Um, but, you know, the Pacers also got rid of Levert um, and they're, they're kind of cleaning house a bit. So I don't know what to expect out of them for this year. And I, and I think, you know, I wouldn't, I would not expect them to try and make a real push. I mean, I still think they might be playing for a, a pick here coming up. Um so I, I don't know if they're actually going to like turn this around and like Halliburton's going to look amazing. He might look amazing and they still might be losing. Um, but I just think it's going to take some time in, in Indiana. And right, I, I agree. But when you look at, like you said, Brogdon, uh, Halley, and then Duarte, you got the young rook and then miles Turner, who was bitching about, you know, not knowing his role and not being used right. properly. Well, then here you go. Here's your starting center role, man. You know, that, that exactly. you're probably going to have. And that was the talk, though. Indiana said, we're going to clean house. Karras is on the board. Sabonis is on the board. Turner's on the board. And they did they did exactly that. So, um, I don't know. Indiana fans, you should be stoked. It was obvious that Sabonis didn't want to be there anymore also. So, <laughs> yeah, I think the hard part is, like, the, the, the biggest question mark uh, for the Indiana piece is, like, will Halliburton <laughs> – like rick carlisle because it seems to be a pretty like yes or no do you like rick carlisle it's either like a yes or a no and then if it's a no you're out so who knows he, he might end up somewhere else we don't know but you know if you get on the wrong the wrong side of carlisle you're usually shipped out pretty fast uh, all right so but exciting stuff so speaking about teams cleaning house man uh portland trailblazers are just waving the white flag they're standing <laughs> out there uh, at, at, in the center, what's what, what arena did they play in? It's not the Rose Garden anymore, right? I think it's the Moda, M-O-D-A, what, Moda. They're standing Moda on top center? of it, just waving the white flag, like, "Yo, we're just giving up on everything. Uh, <laughs> we're we're not going to give we're not going to give Dame any shot at winning anything anytime soon." So CJ finally gets moved to New Orleans for Josh Hart, correct? Give me that uh, whole trade, Drew. Yeah, so it's it's CJ, Larry Nance, and Tony Snell. To the Pelicans for Josh Hart, uh, Sadaransky, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, and Didi Luza, Luiza, Luza. I don't know how to say his name in a second rounder. So they they went for a lot of players. They just kind of it's almost like a a bird shot, you know, kind of like we're gonna give up CJ and it wasn't just CJ and Larry Nance and Tony Snell, um, and they ended up from that continuing to deal. And so Nikhil Alexander. Uh, Walker ends up in Utah and Sadoransky ends up in the Spurs and Ingles ends up uh, a blazer. So like that part really is indicative of them not giving a fuck about the rest of this year, even though they ended up beating the Lakers last night. In a, in a oh, I can't wait to talk about that. Drew thought we were going to dodge this conversation. <laughs> abysmal performance from the Lakers. But anyway, uh, for a moment there, clips i don't know how you felt but i thought there was a chance that damian lillard might be the one that ben simmons gets traded for um or that lillard might be going somewhere and it didn't happen and they and the blazers did what i ultimately thought that they would do is they would offload everyone i thought nurkish was definitely going to go and he didn't go so he's there 
I thought they were going to offload everyone except for Dame and just rebuild and try and stack as many draft picks as they possibly can. Turns out they don't uh, offload Nurkic. They keep Dame. CJ's gone, but they bring in a, Josh Hart is really the kind of the centerpiece. I thought Nikhil well, Alexander Walker would have been a great addition to the to the Trailblazers, but they let him go very quickly. Uh, so now it's like, all right, they're going to tank. I don't think Damian's going to play for the rest of the season. Uh, let's see. They're, they're going to really see if, if Anthony Simons is it can can sustain this kind of play. And if he can, then that's awesome. And I think he can play well with Dame potentially. Uh, but this is all about young players, draft picks for Portland from moving forward. At the beginning of the year, <clears throat> beginning of the season, uh, Dame was quoted at saying, I want to see our roster improve. I have faith that that will happen. Since then, the Blazers have traded C.J. McCollum, the second leading scorer, Norman Powell, third leading scorer, Robert Covington, and Larry Nance in exchange for essentially Eric Bledsoe, Josh Hart, Joe Ingles, and a couple picks. Now, yeah. if I'm if, and if Joe I'm, Ingles has an ACL tear in his We don't even know if Joe Ingles contract, can play basketball anymore. That contract expired at the end of the year. So he's not going to be in a Blazers jersey. He will not be in a Blazers jersey. And look, we have friends um, in Portland. Shout out to Matt and our boy Jeff Crompton. You guys all know him. And and I guess CJ's heavily involved in the community uh, up there. He's great in the community. We heard that he bought you know a brand new house out there. He's got a vineyard. His wife is a dentist in town, like highly respected. So I think CJ was a little bummed at this. I'm sure his wife is a little bummed at this too. I'm pretty sure he's going to keep the vineyard. He loves his wine and all of that stuff. Uh, but he's also going to go to the Pelicans. And you know what? There was a, a moment there where, where David Griffin was just looking like, God damn, he's just making all the worst decisions ever to be able to pull this one off, yeah. right? Yeah. The, the only problem with this, Drew, is now we, we still don't know where is Zion? What is Zion looking like? Like on paper again, thinking about Brandon Ingram, Zion, uh, CJ McCollum, Jonas, uh, you know, uh, Jackson Hayes, if we don't need to talk about Jackson Hayes, but like, <laughs> it, it looks good. It looks like they're making some moves to be a good basketball team. Without a doubt. I mean, this was a, a, a move that saved Griffin's job, 100%, in my opinion. 100%. He was definitely going to get fired. And then all of a sudden, Portland's like dangling CJ out there and he sees an opportunity to save his ass yet again. And he's done it. I think he's, he's like, yo, be- would you take Josh Hart? And they're like, yes. <laughs> yeah. Will you take Josh Hart and two of these guys that I don't even remember their names that, that sit on the end of our bench for CJ? And he's like, yeah, yeah. Done. Yeah, we'll take that. Done. Portland, <laughs> Portland is, is in shambles. Uh, by the way, I think part of the reason that maybe Portland's getting um, dealt like this is because they don't really have a GM. <laughs> So I think they're uh, maybe they're going to be for sale. I don't know. Like there's a lot of stuff going on in Portland that could mean a very tough next couple of years for Dame if he's going to be there the whole time. But the Pelicans, you're totally right. This is huge. This is this is about as big as it gets for them outside of drafting Anthony Davis and dra- drafting Zion, right? Like, and if you remove zion entirely and they just go where he's not going to play this year which is what i probably think is going to happen they're actually still pretty feisty right now with cj and brandon ingram and valanchunas and herb jones and like they're they've jumped up into the 10 seed i say jump up but they're up at least they're up into the 10 seed and i think uh i think with cj they have a real shot at at you know continuing to improve on this year with or without zion now if zion comes back who the hell knows what's going to happen? I mean, I have no idea. You could you could tell me that they would 
missed the missed the plan, and I could believe that. You could also tell me that they would make the eight seed or the seven seed, and I would believe that as well. But I just um, I don't think Zion's going to come back this year. I and I don't think they should rush it. Um, if he's still like the foot or whatever, back, knee, whatever it is, that three fifty. If you're still that, yeah. don't put him in back. a cryo. Put him in a cryo chamber and don't let him eat for like lock him in the cryo chamber for twelve hours and then say then you can eat the rest of the day. Uh, this is this is really nice. I think CJ's um, finally getting an opportunity to be the number one guy on a team. Even though Brandon Ingram, I he might be better than CJ. I don't know. That's a coin flip for me as to for, like who is the better player between those two. But I think those two can play nicely. Um, together and i think um you know Devonte graham's actually had a pretty good year it's it's not been amazing but it's been it's been better than i thought it was going to be um but cj now being able to if he wants to run the point has can totally run the point if he wants to be the shooting guard that's totally fine too and valanchunas is just there to gobble up every rebound so i think this you know this is a really great move we'll see you know what the pelicans end up doing with this down the road like next year they do they try and keep this core together so that when Zion comes back. This is the squad that he's that he's repping and the squad that he's coming in with. Or if they just try to do more moves, I hope David Griffin doesn't do any more moves. This, <clears throat> this one, I think, saved his job. If he does any more shitty moves, he might get fired. Well, again. the next move he's going to have to make is you have to make the decision: Are you going to extend Zion? Right, that's what you have to do. They, they definitely extend him. Mm-hmm. They have to throw they have to throw the money at him. But yo, big shout out to the Pels for getting another player. And by the way, the Pelicans, with or without CJ McCollum, absolutely own the Clippers, just so that you know. They are our kryptonite, them and the Memphis Grizzlies, 100%. But we'll get yeah. into the Clippers in a little bit. All right, so there was more going on uh, on kind of like a smaller scale uh, that dropped today. A few of them that stuck out. We got Trez moving uh, to play with his old homie uh, Terry Rozier in Charlotte. That's going to be Trez's fourth team in two years. Is that right? Four four teams in two years. Clippers, Lakers, Washington, and and uh, the Hornets. And now the, the Hornets, Charlotte. right? Yeah, so that's four. Uh, and, that, that one's good. I, real quick though, that's good for Charlotte. Uh, yes, it's another lob catching, athletic mm-hmm. rim runner. They can go small and go really fast up the court with Trez on the floor. They can go big and still have Plumlee. They didn't have to give up Plumlee. That's a that's a nice piece. I think he'll fit in very well, and I expect to see him on Sports Center top ten with Lamelo throwing him lobs. And your boy Latvian Laser got dimed too, right? Where would he go to? Yeah, I I you know it was hard for me to believe it. <laughs> they dumped that contract, bro. Uh, but sh- yeah, congratulations to the Wizards, man. They got off of <laughs> they got off of Westbrook's contract, which John Wall's contract, which seemed unbelievably hard. Mm-hmm. Westbrook's contract, which seemed unbelievably hard to get off of. And then they just got off Bertrand's, which they dug their own grave with Bertrand's. Um, but they bring in KP. They got Mr. Porzingis. And, that was shocking and- to me, Drew. That was a little shocking yes. to me today. Out that, of nowhere. Well, that to me showed that maybe that beef with Luca just maybe it was real, right? Maybe it was a real thing. Maybe it just wasn't working. And, you know, he's injured all the freaking time. So if you can get off of it. But what did they get back? They got back. They got Bertons back Bertons and, and uh, Dinwiddie. Dinwiddie, right? And uh, you know, th- I don't know. I don't know about this one. Like this one to me for the Mavericks. I don't know. I mean, mm-hmm. Bertons, he's he's a like typically a fantastic shooter, but recently, most recently since he signed that contract, has not been a very good shooter. Uh, and Dinwiddie's nice. That one, that one, okay, I can see it, right? Like you can have him alongside Luca if you want. Probably means that Jalen Brunson's not long for uh, 
for Dallas if they're bringing in Dinwiddie. Uh, my guess is that they they might let Jalen Brunson go to free agency, which is dumb because mm-hmm. I think Jalen Brunson is just as good as Dinwiddie at this point, maybe Agreed. even better. Uh, but we'll see how that unfolds. The bigger thing to me is like, if if you're the Dallas GM, wouldn't wouldn't you call Portland after the Norman for CJ Powell? right? Yeah. yeah, wouldn't you call after the Norman Powell trade? I'm, I'm calling Portland. I'm going hey. I got this guy Porzingis. He's crazy. Seven foot three. Have you seen him? He's have you seen him play? Have you seen him? He's like, he's crazy. He can you ever hit. seen a unicorn before? It's this no. guy. Guess what, guys? You're in luck. I'll give him to you just for CJ McCollum. And I feel like there could have been something there, right? Like, but it, but it didn't go that way, and mm-hmm. they settled for Dinwiddie and Bertans. And and uh, for the Wizards, you know, Trez is out, so now they bring in KP, and and you know maybe they want to go kind of KP at the five, which has been tried and, and hasn't worked they want to go kp at the four and coos at the three whatever the big deal for the wizards is that bradley beal is going undergoing left wrist surgery and will be out for the rest of the season so it doesn't really matter <laughs> i think um the wizards playoff hopes ended with that news about beal but who knows we've seen teams that like lose their star and rally and and just say fuck it we're going to try and 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 actually win every game and try really hard to beat the team that we're playing against and that could happen uh, but I do think we might be looking at the Kristaps Porzingis, Kyle Kuzma show here for the next rest of the season where it's just they're both shooting 25, 25 times a night. It's what it sounds like, right? And think, man, we were we were just so high on the Wizards, dog. Shit just changes overnight in the NBA. We were so high on the Wizards that first three, four weeks of the season, and now everything's just over. <laughs> Over right. and done, fire sailing everybody. Yeah, and they're uh, probably going to be tanking. They're probably going to miss the plan, which is crazy. They were the number one seed. They were the while. number one seed. <laughs> Unbelievable, dude. And you know what? Portland should try try to steal who's ever running the show in Washington because they know how to dump contracts. They know what the hell they're doing over there, right? My God, yeah. I mean, well, they again, they they kind of they dug their own grave with Bertons, but uh, you know, who knows? I, I the Mavericks thing to me though, like I I desperately wished that Luca and Porzingis were going to figure it out. They make sense together. If you think about like Luca's in the paint all the time, Porzingis is a nice perimeter shooter. I just, I kind of wish it worked out and it just didn't. Um, and I feel like Dallas probably could have got more for Porzingis, but then again, I don't know, maybe, you know, maybe I'm, I'm misevaluating Porzingis because of his history but I just feel like, I mean, Karis Levert for Porzingis, like, mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, what, what, what are we really doing at, from a Mavericks perspective? Like, there just seemed like a lot better options that you could have at least tried. And, and it's a little wild. I mean, I don't know Spencer Dinwiddie at all, and I think we've talked about this on a podcast or two ago. But, you know, the rumors of, like, the players on Washington that were like, we, d- we don't want him here. Like, yeah. in the locker room, we don't want you here. And from all the stories I've heard about Luca as well, like, He's the alpha there, dude. And you do not want to put, you know, piss off the king over there or your time's going to be very short, right? I just, again, this is another play where I feel like you just could have gotten more. Yes. Were you not doing the work? Why are all these moves being made, you know, two hours before the trade deadline? Yeah, those are are all panic trades. I know. That's what I, all, a lot of these seem like those, Drew. Mm -hmm. And it just shows me that like, are you doing your job? Right. And right. are you just doing a move because you're supposed to be, because we have to make a move. move. Yeah. Right? <laughs> and, and okay. And that, that I want to bring that up when we talk about the Lakers, right? Cause the Lakers and the Knicks made zero moves. The teams yeah. that need to make a freaking move. What are your, what is your front office doing? 
What apparently, the hell are we doing? Apparently, apparently Palinka's in Disneyland. Yeah, right. Is yeah. that picture real, Drew? I hope not. I, I hope not. <laughs> I hope he wasn't in, at Disneyland before the trade deadline expired on the on the trade deadline day that i the, recently there was a picture of him like smiling in a backpack and a mask at disneyland by himself which was the weirdest part like why are you by yourself like where's your family if you're gonna be at disneyland you better have some kids with you that makes absolutely no sense he's like i need a break from this shit show i'm going to alice in wonderland i ah. need to be on Par- pirates of the caribbean one of the happiest place on earth i'm taking russ with me we're gonna cry in never never land can we talk oh, hold on let's get through these trades right quick let's yeah. get through the rest of these so uh, Schro- Schroeder's gone. Celtics send Schroeder to Houston. Sorry, sorry, Dennis. Sorry, dude. But you're you're going to Houston with that Oof. with that bunch for Daniel. I thought Tice. he was going to go to Milwaukee. That was the one that I thought made a lot of sense. Milwaukee made some moves to make space. The for surge a guy pickup. Like the surge pickup I thought was great. Surge uh, was huge. That's a big pickup for them. Yes, it was. Let's let's talk about that one really quick, because I'm sure Clippers want to know. I, I I knew that we were going to make some move with. We have three centers. Surge is on a nine point four million dollar uh, expiring contract. It frees up thirty million dollars in taxes. Mm-hmm. Uh, it frees up. We we got uh, Rodney Hood and uh, Semi Ojale in return. They're both probably going to get waived. I thought they were going to be in another package deal. <clears throat> in another deal uh, today, but that did not happen. I think they will both be waived. That's going to create two more roster spots. One of those spots is probably going to go to Amir Coffey. We're going to pay Amir Coffey the money he wants to get him Good. a guaranteed deal, which I think is is exactly what we should do. And then we're going to have one roster spot open, which we're either going to approach in the buyout market when that happens, or there's been rumors about getting uh, Goran Dragic, which I'm fine with. If we, if we get him, he hasn't been playing all year. Um, I, I think at this point with the Clippers, any, any, anything at the point guard position will be great for us. Um, I think he'd, he'd fit in fine. But uh, thank you, Serge. Serge was playing really well for us. But I, I think it's obvious that we, we just chose Zubak, right? We chose mm-hmm. Zub and we chose Hartenstein. Hartenstein, which is Hartenstein's cheap and Zub is still cheap. I think Zub's still under $10 million a year, if not so. way less than $10 million a year. So – uh, Milwaukee picked up a beast. I think it's going to help out uh, Giannis a lot, right? Down and there in Portis the- and, 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 Portis. and Bobby Portis, because right. that's going to be the important part is like, can Surge make it to the playoffs healthy mm-hmm. and then actually help them on the big man perspective? Because they got, they signed Greg Monroe to a 10 day. And Greg Monroe's been, I think, like really refreshing mm-hmm. and looks really great. Uh, and looks skinnier and certainly- than normally. Yeah, he looks, he looks very young. I don't mm-hmm. know. He's got that great hairline. Um, but he also like has he never changed his look. So I, I, I saw them as a kid at, in Georgetown and he always had a beard in the same lineup. So anyway, um, I think that that piece for uh, Milwaukee was huge. I thought for sure they were going to pull the trigger for Schroeder. They didn't, uh, but they did get rid of Dante DiVincenzo within that trade. So within that trade that they got Serge Ibaka. Um, they, they let go of Dante DiVincenzo, Semi Ojale, Rodney Hood, which means to me they might be in the in the buy in a uh, buyout market coming up because they'll have some extra roster spots available now with that move. Uh, but this also involves our guy Marvin Bagley, who's headed to got the, another big guy. We saw we talked about the happiest place on earth earlier, but it's really Detroit. It's, you want to be on the Detroit Pistons? You want to thrive, Mar? You want to thrive, Marvin? Head over to to Detroit. Hey, but let me say this: as bad as it is in Detroit, 
he's got some young fun players that he is right alongside with, like in this development stage that the Pistons are in. Cade Cunningham looks awesome. I think he looks really good. Uh, and, you know, hopefully, I mean, geez, hopefully he Marvin badly starts every game for the rest of the season. And then we can all figure out whether or not he's actually a good basketball player. I think right. he's good. I think he has all the tools. I don't think he plays very much defense. I think he grew up taller and stronger and faster and, able to jump higher than everyone else that he was around in his youth. And then you reach the NBA and you realize, oh, shit, 6'10 doesn't mean jack shit. And my 38-inch vert is not that big of a deal. Um, and so you got to learn how to play defense. And I think hopefully he will. Detroit might not be the place to learn defense. But at the very least, um, maybe he'll be able to play alongside Jeremy Grant and uh, Cade Cunningham and see what's up. But um, the last piece of this was that DiVincenzo is going to the Kings along with Josh Jackson and Trey Lyles. So another guard back to the Kings. And, you know, for what it's worth, I, I feel pretty bad for DiVincenzo. Uh, he had a really rough injury, uh, like late in career in Milwaukee. Um, and I think he's starting to amp back up to where he was in the playoffs last year. He won a ring, so he'll always be he got the member. chip. Yeah, he'll always be a member of that championship team, and I'm sure a lot of Bucks fans were pretty sad to see him go. Um, but you know, the one thing I know about Dante is he he is a winner, right? Like he won he won a national championship at Villanova, won a championship in Milwaukee, and I think maybe you know he can play alongside De'Aaron Fox for sure, in my mm-hmm. opinion, and they can kind of alternate. But anyway, Josh Jackson, Trey Lyles doesn't really matter. Uh, those guys are fine, um, but we'll see. We'll see if they actually make the cut in, in Sacramento. They might actually get cut as well. They might get waived. So those guys could be available for anybody who needs them. Hey, under the radar move of the day today, Derek mm-hmm. White to Boston mm-hmm. or Josh Richardson and Romeo Langford. Shout out to Boston for f- making a good move on this one without having to give up Time Lord or yeah. Marcus Smart or anything, but they got Derek White today. Really good player from the Spurs. I think it, I think he's going to help them. Is he a huge needle pusher? No, but it's a good dude to pick up for Josh Richardson and Langford. I think that was a quality pickup for them. I don't think it's getting talked about enough because the kid's good, but uh, I think that was a big, good move. Good move for Boston. Well, and everything I keep hearing about the Celtics is that they need a point guard and Marcus Smart has been trying to be the point guard and he's not right. Like mm-hmm. he's, he's sort of a point guard and I think he's, he's fine, but he doesn't orchestrate the offense. And I think Derek white is exactly what they kind of need. Like a guy who is pretty tall, um, pretty big for a point guard, but is, is, is interested in being the point guard and feeding Tatum and Brown. And even Marcus Smart will probably get some open shots from this guy. Um, but I think getting off of Schroeder, and bringing in Derek White is a very solid move. They're bringing back Tice as well. They're mm-hmm. you know, bringing him back into the organization. That's cool. Uh, so I think yes, uh, very positive moves from the Boston Celtics uh, for sure. If I'm a, if I was a Celtics fan, uh, which I'm not, fuck you, Celtics. But uh, if I was, I would be happy about what happened today. Even though I think Josh Richardson is actually playing about as good as he's played in the last couple seasons. So I maybe you would want. Uh, Neesmith or somebody else to be involved in that trade and not Richardson. Uh, or maybe you want smart Marcus smart to be involved in that trade and not Richardson, but Hey, you know, they're making good moves. And I think this, this kid will play. I think that's the number one thing he'll, he'll get on the floor a lot for the Celtics. So drew it's that time, man. It's that time. We got it. We got to talk about your boys. I know, I know you don't want to talk about this, but mm-hmm. shit's just, just going down. It's going downhill 
every single day. Well, this is not news, Clips. No, you act like this, this is, is breaking news. This is this big ain't breaking news. news. No, <laughs> this is big news, man. You can't be losing to Portland last night. And the well, reason yeah. why I'm, I'm making this big news is because the same thing I've been saying all year about LeBron right now. It's these little nuances that are pissing me off. And both of these uh, post-game interviews, it's like he's – not only is he given up on the team, like we're not going to be shit this year, but then you get you get beat by two points to a depleted Portland team. Literally, Anthony Simons went off on you guys last night. Greg Brown the third is starting. Uh, I, I Who else was in the freaking game, Drew? Uh, did Bledsoe play? Justice Winslow played. Like, and then after the game, when you get asked about the game, you just nonchalantly say, I'm tired. I want to go drink wine and lay in bed. That is not what you should be doing right now. So I'm (laughs) I'm upset at LeBron for acting like this right now. And I'm also, and I shouldn't be this upset for, for Laker fans or the Lakers in general, but if I'm a Laker fan like you are, and I don't see one proactive move in free agency, I would be absolutely livid knowing that there is something wrong with this freaking basketball team, whether it's chemistry or point guards, turnovers, like whatever the hell it is. And not one move, no THT gets moved. No Kendrick Nunn gets moved, no package deals, no nothing. What, how are you feeling about this? Give me your raw emotions, Drew. (laughs) Well, look, this was this is not surprising. Um, I think we would have moved all those guys that you mentioned, and I don't think it was from lack of communication or lack of asking, will you take THT for player X? I think the Lakers got shut down at every single avenue they tried to explore that with, as it's been reported over the last month. Really, when we're talking about being proactive, we started having trade conversations maybe before anybody else did, certainly much before this trade deadline. So am I surprised that the Lakers didn't make a move? No, because we don't have shit that people want. <laughs> like you have to have something that's worth trading for. And we don't have that. I, I do wish that we could just fucking buy a player because we got money. So if we could just buy somebody. That would be ideal. Right. Cash considerations. I would love that. But we don't have that, unfortunately. So am I shocked that we didn't make a move? No. Am I upset we didn't make a move? Yes. I would love for us to make a move and pick somebody up and get rid of THT, who I actually really want to keep. And I'm really upset about how this all went because now he looks like a piece of shit on the floor. Whereas last year he was looking unbelievable and somehow we're ruining this kid's career. And it's, it's not somehow it's mostly like playing with LeBron and Russell Westbrook. So um, I am not really upset that we didn't make a trade simply because what do we have to offer? And I've thought about this the whole time. I mean, this, this entire time when we were like, oh, well, maybe someone will want none who hasn't stepped foot on the it's fucking play the game. Right. Maybe someone will want Ariza who's like older than Snoop. He looks like Snoop Dogg uh, on the court. What's up with his hair, dude? What's I, that's up what I'm saying. That? I think he's turning into Snoop Lion. And so like no, nobody's playing good. In, that's the other thing is like it, it would be one thing if THT was averaging like 19 points a game, right? 18 points a game then I think people would be like, yeah, well, let's try it. The kid's 22, like whatever, like, well, let's get him on our roster. But he's not. He's playing really bad <laughs> and has been for a while. And, um, you know, I think at this point it was – this is like the, really the situation. I talked a little bit about the Wizards digging their own grave with Bertons and the contract. This is like we, we've – we're burying ourselves, right? Like we did this to ourselves. So as much as people want to be mad about – us not making a move it's all because of the moves that we made that were in this position and I'm not surprised that um that nothing is coming our way that that Toronto didn't want none 
or THT for Dragic. Not surprised by that. Like, you know, like, like we offered that package to the, uh, to the Pistons for Jeremy Grant. That's a no, like, okay, we like, what are we going to get? What can we possibly get? I'm, I feel not upset, just depressed. Mm-hmm. I think it's the best way for me to, I like, I'm really, really bummed out <laughs> by the state of the Lakers, especially when you consider last night's game against the Portland Trailblazers who had no zero players that most people would know. Like if you were a casual NBA fan, I would be surprised if you could name one of the, of the Blazers starters last night, except for maybe Nurkic, right? He's a guy that stands out, but no Dame, Nas Little is injured, no Josh Hart, no Bledsoe. The only new guy there that was, was in the lineup was uh, Winslow who actually played pretty good. (laughs) Um, But to me, I think uh, the unfortunate part about, this moment is we're just not good and we're not going to be good. I think that's the thing. Like it's all just settling in. But why, how can you not be good with Anthony Davis, LeBron James and Russell Westbrook, right? You'd think that these two, these three vets MVPs would just figure it out. Right. My bigger question is who the hell is making the decisions upstairs. Okay. Who's, Okay. Well, there's you, you got Palinka, you got the LeBron factor, you got the genie factor, you got the Rambus husband and wife factor involved here. When Russ got benched the couple games ago in the fourth, right? There was like some rumor where like Vogel had to call up and ask if it was okay that he gets benched. Like, is it okay if I bench Russell Westbrook? No coach should ever have to ask upper management if he can or cannot do something right? right. If the player's not playing well, he's fucking benched, right? Like try to tell red Auerbach that like, no, you know what? The GM says, Bill Russell's not playing tonight. Like, yeah, right. Okay. Not working. That's my question. Is is yeah. there too many hands in the pot trying to make these decisions? Is there too much clutch involvement of like, you know, well, we can work our own side deal with this guy over here, but we got to put mm-hmm. who's putting him in, in contact? Is it Palinka? Is it the is it Genie? What the hell is it, man? Right. Yeah, and I think that's the problem. Like and and to me the the clear definitive answer is LeBron James. He's the one that that has to approve this. And 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 whatever anyone says Fine. Palinka might have uh, initially had this thought or maybe the Wizards called him up and said, hey, we want to give you Russ. And he's like, cool. And he goes, talks. let me talk to LeBron. I'll be right back. And then like (laughs) talks to LeBron. LeBron's like done. Like I just. As much as I want to blame Palinka, I do think this this move was certainly approved by LeBron James and potentially put together by LeBron James. If that's the case, then. LeBron is going to definitely follow in Michael's footsteps as being a, a very poor GM. Okay. It's, it's a, it, seriously, if you think he already about is it, like, a poor GM. look, if, if, if we're saying that LeBron's the one making the decisions, then LeBron's a guy that is overvaluing people like Trez and, and THT and you're undervaluing players like Caruso and Kuzma and things like that. You just don't see it. Right. Or you're overvaluing Russell Westbrook. You're not seeing the big picture. Right. So mm-hmm. that would be frustrating to me. If at, it frustrates me being a LeBron fan. I would be even more pissed off if I'm watching this guy after games now being so fucking nonchalant about it. Right. And you'd think from the stories we'd heard that he's, he, he, he would be an asshole in these situations, right? Be the alpha in this situation. If this was Russell Westbrook's team and like they gave up all this shit to get LeBron to, to, to OKC or to Houston and this shit was going on, you don't think Russell Westbrook would be busting some heads? And meanwhile, I think AD just sits in the corner and is just like, okay, 
you know, whatever I'm cool with whatever, whatever you guys want to do. Don't you feel that way as well? Yeah. And I think that might've been the, the most un, underrated and untalked about aspect of bringing Russell Westbrook in is that it, unfortunately it almost like forced AD to be the Chris Bosch mm. and, it, and, and mentally like if LeBron is doing this kind of recruiting without involving Anthony Davis, for instance, where it was like, we want Russ. Let me, let me, let me talk to Anthony. I want to talk to Anthony Davis. Like I want Rob to call me and AD at the same time and mm -hmm. let's do it this way, which I don't think it was that way. Right. So then it immediately puts Anthony Davis on a lower peg and then Russ comes in and he's a big personality and people love Russ and AD's injured and all this yada, yada puts him down to another peg. So now, you know, I, I can only imagine what, what is going through AD's mind as to like why in the first place LeBron or Palinka thought we needed Russell Westbrook. We won a championship with the team that we had before. Why would we need this? And I'll never know the answer to that question. I've, you know, kept me awake for the first month of the season. And then I just kind of like realized that this is a form of torture that I'm going to have to endure until we get off Russell Westbrook's contract, which might not be anytime soon. Um, the, I, I think the funny thing to me though, clips like going back to like, Russell Westbrook being benched, which which was against that Knicks team, and it was a very great call by by Vogel to sit his ass down, even though the Knicks came back with him on on the bench, and ended up putting in overtime. Uh, the funny part was there's rumors that Russ might go to the Knicks, like th that we might have a trade partner in the Knicks. But guess who's the coach of the Knicks? Clips, you know this. I do. Fucking the Taskmaster mm -hmm. Thibodeau, who would never mm -hmm. ever in his entire life sign up to coach Russell Westbrook. Hey, if if he's putting the nicest guy in the NBA, Kemba on the bench, you think you think that that Russell would last there? At least Kemba tries on defense. I, I agree, imagine, bro. Like, dude, he would snap so many chalkboards over his knee trying to coach Russell Westbrook. Don't don't you think though that I was talking uh, about this with my 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 homie last night. Like this has got to be a blow to the ego to to Russ too. He sees what people are saying right now. You see the media, you see the memes. We are part of that too. Some of them are too good to pass up. We know the greatness of, of, of Russell Westbrook, how good he was, how good he is, how good he can be. But it's got to be degrading to not only to be benched in the fourth and then in the Milwaukee game, you're benched in the middle of the third and you don't see another minute. You're mm -hmm. benched for 13 and a half minutes. You don't come back into the game. Well, we were down by for by well, it was down 30. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then when so you're that making one didn't matter as much. OK, all right. That makes sense. We got it back to 10 at one point and then it immediately went back up to like 20. So mm -hmm. I just that one that one is not as big of a deal as the as the Knicks won. Mm -hmm. And then he sat entirely in the Portland game. He didn't play his first game of the season. He didn't play at all against Portland. Okay, here's my last question about the Lakers. Moving forward, is there a way to salvage this season or is this season a wash? What is the – I mean, because there's got to be some things in your heart as a, as a Laker fan that's, that just keeps telling yourself that, that we can turn this around. We have the talent to do this. Do you think that there's going to be a switch at some point? Because no. LeBron's doing the work, right? No, I don't think there's a switch. Mm. Um I think every win that we get, and it's been evident, every win that we get, we are clawing mm. for that win. There has been maybe two comfortable wins that we've had, and even those were tight buttholes towards the end. Um, so, no, I don't think this is this is yeah. The, we, I don't I don't think we will give up, right? I don't. I mean, you could argue that in some of these games we have already given up, but I just think like moving forward, LeBron is never going to publicly say that. <laughs> that uh you know we are i think he's already said it like passively, no, 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 bro. No, no. 
no, 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 that we're tanking. Like he's never going right. to publicly say that we're not going to win game. Like we're mm. going to not win intentionally. Mm. Um, and if, you know, I, I guess maybe the only, the only thing that could work uh, is just rest LeBron and Anthony Davis for the rest of the season. Just don't, don't play them. Um, and then see where we end up. If we're in a play in spot and we feel frisky and we want to get LeBron and AD back on the court, let's see it. Let's fucking, let's go. Let's go from the 10 to the finals. Uh, but it, to me, there is no salvaging this other than Russell Westbrook changing the way he's playing. And I want to be commendable to him as bad as he's played. I think he's trying, I think he's trying to fit in. I can, I mean, especially in the last few games, he really is trying to not shoot as much. Uh, he can't help himself sometimes, and he still airballs threes and, and throws them off the backboard. But uh, I do. I it's not it's not for lack of effort, and I I don't ever want to say that about Russ. I do believe he's trying to fit in. There is a lack of effort on the defensive end. Don't get me wrong. There there is lack of effort on defensively, but I just mean in his effort to to make this work. I think he's trying. I just don't think he has the tools to make it work. We have three guys that really enjoy getting into the paint. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Anthony Davis still hasn't turned around his jump shot uh, at all. So, uh, yeah, I just don't, I don't see this as being, I think, I think that moving forward, uh, what I would like to see is less of Russ, right? Less, less, less minutes for Russ, more minutes for Reeves and THT and Monk. That's what I want to see. I don't give a shit about anybody else. I mean, LeBron and AD, I would love for them not to get injured. Right. Uh, But I would love to see Reeves, Monk, um, THT. Let's start. Let's just keep developing those guys because if we're going to do something, it's not this year. It'll be next year, maybe. <laughs> and maybe those guys will actually be good enough to, like, if we give them the minutes, maybe they can actually step into the roles that we need them to because all the other guys that we have on our team are going to retire next year. So that's kind of that's a good segue to go into how I'm feeling about the Clippers. I absolutely love the Norman Powell pickup. We talked about it the other, uh, you know, on the last podcast is when he got traded to the team, him and Robert Covington, we've lost both games that they've played in, but they have been very, very good. Norman Powell looks like he fits in perfectly. Uh, Robert Covington looks like he's going to be great, like really good for us. I I thought he might've been more trade bait at, at, the trade deadline today, but it looks like we're going to stay with him. I'm the complete opposite, Drew. I am so excited for the mm. future of the Clippers. I am so excited. The depth, the addition of Norm, um, and like I said on the last show, if if this is a, a wash for us this season, I hope it's not. I hope we get Paul George back and we could fight in the play-in and in the first round and try to get out and salvage, like make it a really good season. But if not, if it doesn't happen, and I'm kind of leaning towards that way where we don't have Kawhi or Paul George, like you said, let's continue developing. Let's get Amir Coffey his reps up. Let's get Luke Kennard as confident as possible. Let's figure out Terrence Mann's position uh, when Kawhi and PG aren't here. Like, how can we make him better? Um, uh, see, see where nor- how Norm is gonna you know fit in. So I'm I'm really excited. And every, every time somebody hits me up asking me about the Clippers, like that that's all I say. I think it's I think uh, what we're doing is really good. We're fighting in these games minus the freaking Memphis. I don't ever want to see the Memphis Grizzlies in the playoffs. They just (laughs) absolutely own us. Jaw owns our asses. But I'm extremely excited for the Clippers. We played Dallas here in a half hour. So I kind of want to wind things up unless you got something to say. I have one final thought. Uh, Well, I I just thought I'll I'll end it with this. I thought it was really interesting to see CJ go uh, to the Pelicans for the package that they offered. And I wonder if you, if the Clippers 
took a shot at CJ or if they identified Powell as the guy. But my my whole thing is like CJ is getting paid a little bit more money than 39 Marvin. million, bro. 30 million 30 million 30 million and uh norm signed five for 90 i think so a little under 20 I, you know there's but to me it's like if 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 you were gonna if the blazers were gonna let cj go for josh hart and a litany of other guys like, like you could have presented that package to them and got cj i think it could have been a missed opportunity but you're going with youth as opposed to cj who's you know had a long list of injuries and is i think 31 or 32 now uh, and Norm is still a younger younger guy. So I'm, I am excited for you. I think your front office is making very pertinent moves. And I think that, regardless of where you are in the standings or how the season goes, has to give you the hope. And, and I think oh. it starts there. You know, like, like even if something goes sideways, you have the guys in place to, like, right the ship again and then, like, take another angle at succeeding. And I think that's that's what every fan base would love out of their out of their front office. Hundred percent. And just looking at our with a healthy PG and Kawhi next season, we are a juggernaut, dude. Definitely a, a straight juggernaut. And like back to what you were saying about CJ, though, I'm sure we 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 talked about it. I'm sure that was discussed. I think the money came into play a lot, and I think Norm is a better fit for us. Like seriously, when you think about it. Uh, when when Kawhi and PG come back, I think what we want is probably more towards Norm for the money. Again, we that was a finesse, guys. We we finesse to get a really good player on a long contract and getting a, a with, with Rocco, who I you know if we can extend him, I'd like to have him on the squad too. So I'm really excited. Well, at the uh, very least, Coffee's going to learn. Team man and Coffee will learn from Robert Covington. Agreed. That'll be, that'll be big. Agreed. And I think Amir Coffee gets his first NBA Top Shot moment coming this week, and I'm really, really excited. By the way, you know I'm in the NFL uh, beta for NFL yeah. Top Shot. I pulled a, a, a big Joe Burrow the other day. I was yeah, so excited. I've been doing really well on these on the NFL stuff. So that's the good stuff. Hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna do one final thought, and my final thought has nothing to do with basketball. No shows no netflix even though euphoria is out and jesus that is just a mind fuck god i love euphoria but can you please stop with the penises there's a lot of penises in this hbo hbo loves a flaccid penis we we don't need to be that real hbo okay we could we could do without anyways drew big weekend for you this weekend we have the drew the andrew miller uh, bachelor party palooza this weekend we got mm. homies flying in from portland we got i don't know where max is from he was in michigan or something he's yeah. coming in we got la san diego coming up we got clips coming in hot from san Clemente. i'm only going to be there for about five to six hours on saturday night but whatever <laughs> i will be there i'm yeah, looking man. forward to it man we got golf fifa poker booze yeah uh, debauchery like we got a lot happening you excited I am, I am. It's uh, it's gonna be a fun weekend, bro. Uh, and I'm glad that you're making it. And uh, yeah, it, it should be. <laughs> uh, if I if I remember all of it, uh, um, then it might not be a successful bachelor party. I'll just leave it there. Um, but yeah, man, I'm, I'm excited. Uh, my brother put this all together, so shout out to him. And uh, yeah, dude, it'll be it'll be a lot of fun. I get it gets rowdy with with the fellas. Uh, and uh, yeah. 
yeah, I just hope we don't damage the Airbnb too much. Well, the, I saw the on the on the ticker for the Airbnb. We got a dope house, by the way, guys. Sick mm. ass house that we're all going to be at. Yeah. And at the bottom, it said, "Please no parties." And I'm like, eh, they must not know that we're having a bachelor party. So nah. hopefully, you know, they don't listen to this show. But I'm really looking forward to it. Looking forward to seeing our old homies uh, and some of your homies that I've never met that I've spoken to and and that support our show so much. So we really appreciate it. We'll be back next week. We're going to give you all the details of, of Drew's bachelor party too. And I want to know your Super Bowl pick, Drew. Oh, I'm going Rams. I'm going Rams all day. Bengals Rams, all Rams, day. Rams all day. I, yeah, uh, fucking yes. I'm excited. I hope the Rams win. And that'll give me some happiness uh, in my in my teams right now. Like, but you know, Lakers are really struggling. Rams are in the Super Bowl. All right, that's cool. Uh, but before we do go, oh, one more. I ended the show last last pod about Danny Green being this generation's Robert Ori. You sure did, Drew. And I want to follow it up because I'm fucking right. You're um, not right at this, bro. Robert Ori played 16 years in the league. He has seven uh, rings, uh, seven points per game for his career, five rebounds, two assists, 34% from three. Danny Green, 12 years in the league, three rings, nine points per game, four rebounds, one assist for his career, 40% from three. I'm, I'm fucking right. His name is not Big Shot Danny Green. This is Big Shot Rob. Danny Green hit the side of the backboard. If you're going to give playoff P that's that shit that we all give playoff P, playoff Danny Green did it too. Don't you compare Big Shot Rob to Danny Green. The numbers, yes, I see it, but no, Drew. No, you're not getting away with this one. No, but I think you're I think you're forgetting some of the major shots that he hit in his career for San Antonio and for and Toronto and for the Lakers. Mm -hmm. And I also think while I again I started that statement of comparing them that Robert Big Shot Bob is a near and dear. Like I love Robert Ori. I want him in the Hall of Fame. I am a huge Robert Ori fan. Mm -hmm. But he didn't do a lot other than hit good threes and play relatively, relatively solid defense and rebound. He never, neither of them, Danny Green, Robert Ory, have ever averaged more than 12 points a game for their career. Not in one season, not in one season, more than 12. It's ident almost identical. Mm -hmm. So I, I seed that he is not the game winner that Robert Ory is. And I don't know if anyone ever will be what Robert Ory is. His career was so wild for him to be as minimally impactful throughout the majority of his career, but then have these significant moments where he would just drain very big shots. Yes. Danny green has not done that, but they are closer than you think. All right. Believe what you must drew. Everybody still loves you. And it's a good take. I appreciate it. I've had some takes like that in my past. And I, oh no. But the, the last thing I'll say is like, who, if it's not Danny green, then who? Then right? give me a, give me a week to decide and I'll, me, I'll come back. Right. No, that's I'll fine. Find if it. it's not Danny green, I just want somebody to, to throw a name out. All right. <laughs> who who would who would it be if it's not Danny Green? All right, we'll be back next week talking about Drew's bachelor party, and we're gonna break down Danny Green and Robert Ori. I bet you guys can't wait for that one. <laughs> it's the follow through about it all and Drew. <laughs> we're ghosts. You know what it is. You know what it is. You know where you're at. This is the. Fun.